Cybersecurity has increasingly become part of banking institutions' overall corporate strategy, with boards of directors at the center of cybersecurity decision-making, policy setting, and budget planning. In the wake of highly publicized breaches, such as the one that impacted banking giant J.P. Morgan Chase and other leading global financial institutions, the pressure on boards to ensure overall cybersecurity in 2016 will be heightened, putting boards in positions of greater cybersecurity responsibility than they've ever seen before. Here, Lance Hayden, a cybersecurity advisor at consultancy Berkeley Research Group, explains how and why cybersecurity has truly become part of the overall corporate strategy, rather than just a nice-to-have inclusion, as it has been for far too long. He says 2016 will see a shift in the security mindset, where cybersecurity is seen in a much broader light, more akin to innovation than traditional security. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. So Lance, you've noted that we are on the verge of seeing a fundamental shift in the ways banking institutions and other organizations view and manage cybersecurity. Why and how will 2016 mark a turning point? Well, yeah, Tracy, thank you for the opportunity to talk to you about this. I think that what's going to happen is it's going to be sort of a phased set of changes. But where we're at, as you indicated, is we're sort of at an inflection point in the security industry and certainly in the way that other industries and other companies look at security within their own organizations. And I think that what we're seeing is cybersecurity has always been sort of an internal operations process. It grew out of information technology in general. It's been something that often is seen as something you just have to do, an insurance policy, a defensive kind of mechanism, a risk management technique. Uh, but it's often lived inside the organization and been focused inside the organization. And there hasn't been a lot of external visibility, if you will, beyond some compliance and regulation requirements. But what we're seeing in the wake of these breaches and in just the fact that we are entering into a much more sort of digitally dependent world and people have a lot of information out there, there's getting a lot of visibility, uh, certainly still at the regulatory side and from the standpoint of compliance and auditors, but also just public visibility, customer visibility, people getting frightened because they get a notice or multiple notices that, um, oh wow, your data got compromised. And then they're seeing news reports where this is happening everywhere, and so it sort of gives the impression that this is something of an epidemic right now. And you could make the case that it is sort of an epidemic. I think that what this is is sort of a natural evolution of just the fact that we've got massively increasing digital infrastructures, and we haven't really done enough to prepare them for the sort of stresses that they face in an increasingly volatile and aggressive environment where people are trying to get at this data because they know that they can make money out of it. And so they're going in and for a lot of different reasons, hacking things, trying to break into things. But what's happening is I think we're starting to see this, and now it's trickling up to where it's not just the IT security team that's getting asked about it. It's not just them that are on the hook for a particular breach. It's not something that can be kept internal. Uh, there is public scrutiny. Public scrutiny is creating a market demand for better security, and that is having ripple effects that are obviously coming up on the radar screens of the boards of directors and the senior leadership of organizations, even if they're not directly involved in security. Yes, Lance, that's a good point. Let's expand there a bit. How would you say that some of these highly publicized attacks, such as the one waged against J.P. Morgan Chase and other banks, which I mentioned earlier, as well as the OPM and Anthem breaches, have affected and changed the roles boards of directors are expected to play in cybersecurity? 
Well, so certainly twofold. One is more internally facing, where the board is realizing whether um, just on their own, because they're reading about these things that have happened, and it may be they may be unfortunate enough that it happened to their company or a company in their industry, and it gets their attention. But also externally, you know, you got the press calling, law enforcement calling, regulators calling, the laws around cybersecurity, the regulatory issues around whether or not and to what extent organizations can be held accountable for uh, cybersecurity breaches is changing and is kind of leaning towards more government involvement, more regulatory involvement, including the possibility of regulators being able to go in and levy bigger fines and take more aggressive action to enforce accountability for cybersecurity. So both of these are coming together to get board members' attention where they're saying, okay, you know, this is something that I'm getting asked about now. So it's on my radar screen because of that. And it's also something that, you know, that this may result in a new sort of family of liabilities that I'm going to have to deal with uh, from a business perspective and from a regulatory perspective because now the law is going to shift. People are calling out for more accountability and they're calling out for that accountability to go all the way to the top of the organization. And so, you know, if you factor it also into laws like uh, you know, Sarbanes-Oxley or some of the other financial regulatory infrastructures in place, these regimes also have the ability to come in and hold board level stakeholders accountable for what's going on inside their organization. And cybersecurity is going to get sort of grafted onto that even to a larger extent than it already is. So Lance, let's talk a little bit about the change that you think we're going to see at the board level. How do you think the faces of the representatives that we see on boards will change in 2016? There's going to be more of a desire to get security expertise and security knowledge. One of the common complaints just as a practitioner and as someone that talks to a lot of security teams and a lot of companies about security, unfortunately, the fact of the matter is most boards, many boards, don't understand security. Security is still a very sort of technologically centric uh, discipline, and security teams are often more comfortable in that space. There's a very, very common complaint on both sides of the equation that security is very, very difficult to align to the business needs of the organization. So I would lead with that. What's happening is you are seeing a more and more direct connection between the business requirements and objectives of an organization and the security requirements and objectives. And believe it or not, and you hinted at this early, you know, um, why hasn't this been there before? It just hasn't. This is an evolutionary thing. Security right now is it lags behind IT. And if you go back a decade or so and you look at the evolution of IT and how IT started out as this kind of esoteric thing no one understood until it became clear that it was business critical for an organization, security is in the same space. It's just, you know, we're lagging behind because we grew out of IT. And so security is getting to the point where it's at that same critical space. And so what that means for boards is twofold. On the one hand, there is this more traditional view of security that we already understand. I need to protect my organization from breaches, and I need to protect myself and my board and the leadership structure of the organization from the liability that comes with those breaches. That's a traditional approach. That is, we need a security strategy to enable that. 
What I also think we are on the cusp of, and you know, I think you're going to start seeing it move closer and closer to this with some more sort of forward-leaning visionary companies in 2016, is security doesn't just need a strategy. Security needs to be part of the corporate enterprise strategy, which means security needs to be part of what the organization uses to competitively differentiate itself from other organizations and so and other companies and competitors and, and to get market share and everything that goes along with that. So I think that what we're going to see is we're going to see some companies that get really better at defending themselves and we're going to see other companies that get better not only at defending themselves but at leveraging what they're doing in that regard to actually compete in the marketplace. And so this is you know when I talk about security being something more akin to innovation than it is to the strength or the weakness of an organization, that's what I'm getting at. Is security is what I call a strategic intangible. And right now we're learning to harness it, but what we're moving towards is learning to harness it in a way that it actually contributes to competitive advantage. So Lance, why isn't cybersecurity part of corporate strategy already? Why are we just now on the cusp of making this shift? Because banking regulators for the last 12 to 18 months have really been pushing the need to make cybersecurity part of the overall vision. So I think, again, I think that there's two ways of looking at cybersecurity. And there is a more traditionalist kind of approach, which is cybersecurity is seen as an element of risk management. It's a defensive kind of thing that you have to put in place to prevent bad things from happening. We have not really gotten to a place where culturally in security or in organizations or in general, again, if we're always talking about how cybersecurity is about how we keep bad things from happening, we haven't really gotten to the point where we start talking about cybersecurity as a way to make good things happen. There's always this approach to security that is concerned with vulnerabilities and damage and loss. But like any risk management kind of equation, you have to balance that with the opportunities on the other side. Risk is always not only about potential for loss, but it's also about potential for upside and potential for opportunities. Security hasn't gotten there yet because security, despite, you know, when we look at it, we're like, yeah, we've been talking about this for 18 months. Security's been around for a couple of decades. I've been working in security for 25 years. But if you think about that in terms of, you know, longer periods of time, that's really, we're still really quite young, both as a discipline and as a way of looking at things inside an organization. Again, compare us with IT. IT is older than security, and security, you know, is going through many of the same processes that IT went through in terms of finding itself and finding its true role in providing strategic advantage for an organization. Um, innovation, if you go back far enough, things that I like to think of that security is more similar to talent management, innovation management, go back far enough and you will find the point where those things that we talk about like they are no-brainers today, you'll find the point where they didn't exist. No one really thought about them. It took an inflection point in the market and in the environment uh, for people to start saying, hey, if we do things better, we can achieve strategic competitive advantage. What does it mean to do things better? Uh, if we can control our human capital and leverage human capital and those kinds of trends and those kinds of resources that we have to bring to bear in a way that we haven't before, what can we do to achieve strategic advantage? And again, human capital didn't even come about to the 80s or 90s. Security right now is, I think, at that inflection point where we're like, hey, if I can do well at security, not only do I prevent loss, 
but I can do it more efficiently and more productively, and I can channel the resources that I would have otherwise spent fighting security fires into areas of competitive advantage that will give me an edge over the organizations in the market that I have to compete with. And so I think that it's a twofold kind of process. On the one hand, we must still keep doing that standard sort of operational activities that we've done and have those operational capabilities to make sure that security is done right on a day-to-day -day basis. But we also need what are called dynamic capabilities, which means these are capabilities that go above ordinary operational ones to enable us to find new opportunities that we can use security to help leverage, to grab and seize those opportunities, and then to change ourselves so that we can really take advantage of those in a way that we couldn't if we're only looking at security as an operational activity. So Lance, in the spirit of our conversation about this shift that we're seeing in the marketplace, how would you define 2015 in three words and then compare that with the three words that you would use to describe 2016? Okay, uh, let's see. So three words to describe 2015, I guess I would have to go with wake-up call. That would be the three words that I've described over. And, and obviously, you know, it's probably we started waking up. That alarm started going off probably a little bit before 2015. And if you think about it, it's been going on for a while in the security community. But 2015, again, seems to be a point where this really lit on fire, and so I would use wake-up call as the three words. Now, what we're looking at in 2016 and even beyond, if you, if you hold me down to three words, I'll probably say brave new world. Because what's going to happen here is security is going to fundamentally change internally as an industry and as a discipline because, you know, I just wrote a book uh, about security culture. And the reason I mention that is because even three or four years ago, when I was talking to people about, hey, we should do something on security culture, I couldn't really get much interest in that topic. It's only been in the last couple of years that the idea that people are centric to a security strategy has started to really get some traction. And it's because we're realizing that technology can only do so much. And we talk about security as a people processing technology problem and solution, but we often focus mostly on technology, a little bit more on process, and not too much on people. That's changing. So in 2016, what you're going to see is you're going to see people really realizing how involved and how complex and how broad security is. It's not just devices that live in a data center that protect the flows of data. It's about the culture of an organization. It's about how they look at who they are, what they're doing, and what protecting digital assets means to all of that. And that is, in some cases, wildly exciting and provide really cool opportunities for different organizations that can figure out how to use security as that sort of competitive differentiator, it's also going to create some serious discomfort like any change does. It's going to change the world that they live in, and they are going to have to learn new skills and adapt to new realities and identify areas that they are not comfortable with that they are going to have to suddenly become experts in in order to orchestrate all of these disparate assets that they've got that contribute to good, solid cybersecurity. And so Brave New World are the three words I would use to describe that's what it's going to feel like. Well, Lance, I think you describe it well, and those are great points that you make. And before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience about the differing roles that you'll see boards of directors play or just cybersecurity in general? Cybersecurity is going to become, in the next few years, as it really starts getting momentum going, what I call a strategic intangible. And so again, when you think about what we tend to think about, and reflecting on what I talked about earlier about these different ways of looking at it, cybersecurity today is often looked at as this characteristic 
of a company or an organization. This sort of, and, and it's akin to use terms like if it's strong or is it weak. So it's almost this sort of tangible property of an organization. That's the way that we have looked at it traditionally. That's not what cybersecurity is. Cybersecurity is what I call a strategic intangible. It's more like innovation management. It's more like talent management. These are things that are harder to measure. They are harder to assess. They involve things like culture as well as tangible assets. But no one would probably think that innovation and talent management are not important to an organization's strategic success. And so I think that as we start really understanding the complexity and depth of what cybersecurity means in a digital world, we're going to start realizing that there is so much more to this in terms of what we can do with it strategically than just making sure that things don't break on our watch. And boards that get that, boards that get ahead of that curve and figure out how to leverage it as an asset are going to see themselves slowly and more steadily pulling ahead of their competitors because they're going to be able to use cybersecurity as part of their portfolio of strategic assets, whereas other folks are still struggling just to keep those operational fires burning and don't really know how to turn it to something of more value. Well, it will be interesting to see, Lance, how things change in 2016. I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Thank you, and I appreciate the opportunity. Again, we've just heard from Lance Hayden of the Berkeley Research Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.